0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to my podcast, Christian in Progress. My name is Samuel Perez, and just a little bit about myself, I am a former gay stripper. Yep, that's right, you heard that correctly. (laughs) I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ. This podcast is all about how I do it, why I do it, and to help others like me, and educate those that are not like me. I want to talk, but I really want to talk and be real about what a life with Jesus looks like in 2020, and nothing is off limits. I want to be as transparent as I possibly can be. Now, before we get started, I want to let everyone know that this podcast is completely free to listen to, and we do accept donations, and we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who want to become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, click on the description and you'll find the link to become a patron of the podcast, which means that you'll be making a regular monthly commitment. And we also have my link tree where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo or Cash App. On today's episode, I love doing these. I'm going to be doing a question and answer, a QA. and a So I recently received an email uh, about, I think maybe around two, three weeks ago, something like that, and I asked this gentleman who sent me this email if I could respond to him through my podcast, obviously taking out names and personal information, and he gave me the go-ahead to be able to do that. So I'm going to read you guys this email, and I am going to try to... Answer and respond back the best that I possibly can I'm not a Crazy amazing Bible teacher pastor. I'm still getting my biblical literature degree I don't think that I'm special in any way, but obviously I have been through what this email pertains to which is homosexuality I lived in the homosexual lifestyle For around five years, I would say, and this has been something that I've been dealing with my whole life, and I'm still dealing with same-sex attraction, Um, but now it's a completely different dynamic since I walk with Christ, and so I know that I probably maybe have a perspective that some people want to hear and are interested in hearing, and so that's why I want to answer this email on this podcast and just talk about it. Let's let's talk about it. Let's have a real conversation. <laughs> so uh, be expecting <laughs> the best possible answer that I could possibly give from my perspective and the things that I've experienced and the things that I've gone through, especially with Christ. So the email reads, and by the way, we're going to be taking a lot of pauses because I want to do that. I want to make sure that I'm thorough with this email. So the email reads, Hey Samuel, my name is, and I crossed out his name, so you guys don't know. <laughs> and I came across your YouTube testimony yesterday, immediately after my wa- my wife and I watched The Return, the National Day of Prayer. All right, let's take a pause. Let's take a break. So The Return, the National Day of Prayer, is an event. That took place, I believe, in maybe Washington D.C. I'm not too sure. Um, I think so, and it is by Jonathan Can or Kane. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. He's like a messianic Jew, and he's um, amazing. He has several different books that he's written. I think he writes fiction. Um, but he did an event on YouTube and it was basically live and it was just a national prayer for all of America and for Israel and a bunch of other things. So let's continue with the email. He says, "'Yesterday I prayed to God "'that he would help my younger gay brother "'come to Jesus Christ. "'Seeing that I came across your channel "'after making that prayer, "'I am hoping that God sent me you "'as an answer to my prayer.'" Yes, my younger brother is gay. My wife and I love him so much and he is such a heart-filled guy. He brings joy to everyone around him, but yet this aspect of his life is destroying him. He doesn't see it like I do. All right, so let's take a break. So basically, this guy was watching um, this event on YouTube and he came across my, um, my YouTube channel after he prayed about how to help his younger gay brother. Um, And his younger gay brother is in his 30s, by the way, because that was included in the email, but I took that off. Um, And so he comes across my channel after making this prayer, and then he sends me an email after watching my testimony and watching a couple of my YouTube videos. So he is kind of thinking that this is God in this situation that has brought, um, that is trying to bring clarity to his situation through me. And so I'm so happy that I get that opportunity to help this awesome man um, and help his brother in any way that I can through anything and anything that I've learned and have experienced. So he's saying that this guy that um, he loves his brother a lot. He apparently has a lot of joy to give his brother, um, the gay brother. That he's a great person to be around, but that homosexuality and this lifestyle is destroying him. And um, that his brother is just unaware of the fact that it is destroying him, that it's taking a toll on him. And, you know, that's accurate because I'll tell you, I was not exactly aware. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the blindness that I was in or just the optimism that I wanted to have or just my selfishness or... I really, it was such a, like, compared to now, I've been a born-again Christian for two years, and that was such a long time ago that I can't even remember how I felt during those times. I really, I try not to even put myself in that kind of mindset, because I'm, remember, we, we are supposed to renew the mind when we come to Christ, so if I try to put myself in that mindset, I, I don't think I would like what I'm feeling and what I'm going through at that specific time however though something i can relate to is i have this i have this story i'm going to tell you guys a story of this time that i was in the car with my mom and this is just a story to help you guys kind of get an idea of how i was and how i was reacting to people who were trying to tell me the truth about my lifestyle or try to point me in the direction of jesus so I remember that my mom was—I don't know what she had said. We were in the car, and and she was talking about some things, something about homosexuality, and I turned to her and I said to her, "Mom, but don't you want me to be happy? Don't you want me to find a man to marry and love? And don't do you want me to be lonely for the rest of my life?" And she just—I think that what she did is that she didn't respond, or she said something along the lines of just like an agreement to that, like yes. Um, I don't want you to be with a guy, and I was so torn up with her response, and when I tell you I was so hurt, I was crying, and I was like, mom, I don't, like, how could you say that to me, like, I can't believe you don't want me to be happy, I can't believe that you don't want me, like, you, you would rather me be lonely for the rest of my life and die alone, and... I had a lot of codependency issues, and I I've found validation in other people instead of trying to find validation in my creator and in God, and so I was completely blinded. And I know what it's like to kind of be in this man's younger gay brother situation, where you like people around you are seeing the problem, but you're not seeing the problem. And even to this day, I still counsel tons of men who have same sex attraction where it's like they are just blinded and they cannot, like they're trying their best to see those things, but it's either a spiritual thing or it's a selfish thing, like they just don't wanna see it, um, where you tell them, hey, like you're putting your eggs in a basket that is just not good for you. So for example, I just recently counseled someone who was and is going through a very difficult time and he told me kind of along the same things that I said to my mom a while back ago before I was born again in that car story. He said to me the same thing, like, um, I really just want to have someone that understands me and is going to listen to me and is going to love me. And obviously a man, um, and this this guy, he was a man too, so it was same-sex uh, relationship. And I told him, why? why, like, Like, why would you, first off, like, that's not healthy. Even if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, even if you don't believe in God or you know, anything in Christianity, that's not healthy to try to put all of your worth and all of your value on somebody else's shoulders. Uh, Another person cannot take that kind of pressure. That's not like we have to, we have to be secure in our own identity. And me personally, I don't believe that anybody can be secure in their identity without first securing that identity from the Creator. Because the creator is the one who created you. So only he can tell you what your identity is. And I like to use kind of like this analogy, which is um, like I picture myself creating something. So for example, an iPhone charger. I love this analogy. I create an iPhone charger and I say that it is an iPhone charger and that it's going to charge iPhones. That iPhone charger cannot say to me back, I'm not an iPhone charger. And instead, I want to charge Android's. Which is the you know the other type of phones, um, which cannot be done. iPhone chargers can't charge androids. <laughs> That's the whole point. Um, that iPhone charger I know is an, an animate object. It's not alive, but let's say it is alive or whatever. It, it can talk back and all this stuff. That iPhone charger cannot say to me back that it wants to be an Android charger. It's an iPhone charger, and I made it to be an iPhone charger. So it cannot affirm its own identity. Um, without first consulting the creator, which is me. So that's how how I view it in a way. Like God is the creator. He's the one who created us. And we have to walk into relationships already secure in our identity so that we don't place that level of neediness, um, clinginess, validation on somebody else's shoulder because they can't give that to you. They are not God. They are, they are never going to have what you need. They are never going to affirm in you the identity because they are not the source. They are not the source of goodness. They are not the source of creation. There is only one. There is only one Jesus Christ who can affirm that identity within you. And he does that by his word and by his truth. It is currently raining. Cats and dogs outside of my window. I'm not sure if you guys can hear it, but if you guys can hear it, um, just try to ignore it. It's raining so hard. I live in Miami, and the weather here is just bipolar. I bet in five minutes it's going to stop raining. So back to what I was saying. I can definitely relate to this man's younger gay brother. Um, He probably around him, the people around him are, are, are seeing him destroy his life, but he himself cannot see it. And that has a lot to do with what I was saying, like optimism, um, or maybe just not wanting to see it, or just God not even opening up those spiritual eyes yet. And that's when prayer and all these things come into account. But let's go back into the email. He first came out in his teen years, and immediately his life went in a bad direction. He has been let down by the boys that he loved, and his first real relationship was devastating. And he hasn't recovered since in fact his homosexuality even started to take him into a much darker path that i don't even want to mention his first real love treated him like crap he was controlling and cheated on my brother he taught my brother to be a cheater and a thief and my brother's ethical morality took a dramatic decline during that relationship He would steal from people and even lie to companies to profit off of them. All right, let's take another break. So basically, all of this began in the Younger Gay Brothers' teen years, right? So I wouldn't say that homosexuality begins in your teen years. I think it's something that's rooted much deeper, especially when it comes to uh, the kind of family that you grow up in or maybe trauma, abuses... All of it has a lot to do with psychology. Uh, I'm not going to get super into that. I actually want to have a guest on my podcast to talk a little bit more about the psychological component of same-sex attraction, but I I would love to know, this was not not in the email, so I have no idea, but I would love to know whether or not this family was a Christian family because that is going to make a huge difference as to... Whether or not this younger gay brother even knows the truth, if he knows the gospel of Jesus Christ and he's just ignoring it, or he's willing to just uh, either take root in his feelings and what he thinks is right, or has he never been preached a gospel since he was a little boy? So that's, I mean, super, to me, I think that I need to, in order to unpack all of this, I need to, I need to know that. Like, I need to know whether or not he was raised in a Christian household because I'm not getting all the um, information. (laughs) So he says, though, he says that in his teen years that his life went in a bad direction. I mean, I can definitely relate to that as well, you know, and I can only give my experience. When I was in middle school, that's when things started to get real heavy real fast. Um, If you haven't already checked out my YouTube channel, I I have a YouTube channel, (laughs) and I have my testimony up in full and, and, and very detailed and I basically go into how I fell in love with my best friend at the time in middle school, and he was devastating to me too. He treated me so bad, like that kid left marks inside of my brain that to this day, Jesus is still trying to heal. Um, I'm I'm not sure what it is about being a teen and being susceptible to other people or being vulnerable, but I think that that has a lot to do with growth. So when obviously when we are teenagers. We're experiencing things all for the first time. And so we're experiencing all our feelings for the first time. All these uh, feelings of infatuation or love or happiness. They are just like so strong than any other time in our lives because it's the first time that we're feeling it. You know, like, like those songs that go like the first time, you know, I think that's like Madonna or something. <laughs> but um, he says that he was let down by the boys that he loved. Man, I can definitely really relate, relate to that in fullness. Um, Every single guy that I ever tried to be in a relationship with let me down. And you know what? It's not even their fault. I'm not even going to say, I'm not going to get on this podcast and say, oh, it was everybody else's fault. It was my fault. It was my fault because I was going after broken people and I was also broken. I was broken. Why? Because I didn't understand my identity. And I'm not saying that homosexuals are broken. I'm saying everyone is broken until they meet Christ. And that's just the truth. Like, if you're not willing to accept that, then you're not willing to accept um, that you indeed are a sinner, that you do bad things, like you lie, you, uh, whatever it is, lie, steal, uh, maybe not kill, but but get angry with people and yell, you know? So everybody's a sinner. Everybody is technically a bad person, and we don't even really know and truly understand our identity until the creator pops into the picture, And he lets us know our identity. So this is not just for homosexuals. And I hate that. Can I just pause and say that I hate it when the church tries to put all of the attention on sins that they don't personally struggle with. Just because you don't struggle with a sin does not make it like the worst sin of all the sins. It just simply does not. Every sin, every sin, though the consequences are very different, every sin is equal to the eyes of God. And guess what? Jesus already paid the price for every sin. So we don't need to be valuing people's sin, and we don't need to be judging people based on their sins. What do we need to be doing? We need to be labeling everyone the same, just like God did, and then allowing it, allowing the blood of Jesus to cover all those sins and um, and forgiving people and 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 letting the the love of Jesus transform people. So I, I, I just had to take that tangent because I just really don't like that. but anyways I was I was just like this younger man uh, this man's younger gay brother where he was being let down by people that he loved. why because maybe maybe he's trying to put that validation on people and people can pick up on that and you can easily become a victim. You can become a victim of abuse. You can become a victim of um, just like people are going to take advantage of you. So anyways, uh, continuing in this, in this, in this um, paragraph, he says, in fact, his homosexuality even started to take him on a darker path. And I'm not sure what that darker path, he admits that, but I'm sure it is probably not good. So he says his first real love treated him horribly. He was controlling and cheating and, and cheated on him. And he turned him into a thief, and his ethical morality took a dramatic decline. I, this is what I was saying. Where I need, I need to know whether or not the brother is was raised Christian, because if he was raised Christian, then he knows the truth, he understands it, and so the like the ethical morality really is not to blame on the boyfriend per se, but it's more to blame because we, remember we are all like, accountable to our own decisions. No one's gonna make you do anything that you don't want to do. Like, no one can force you to do that, you know? N- no one can force you to do something that you don't wanna do. Like, everything is a decision. I mean, obviously, you know, without going into the obvious, which is, you know, someone actually forcing you to do something. But we all have decisions to make, and we all have to take responsibility for the decisions that we make. So he says that the ethical morality took a spiraling downturn and so it has gone off the rails and I can relate to that as well too because I think anybody without Christ uh definitely will take an ethic like ethical morality like I think without Christ there's no way to have good morality because there's no goodness apart from God there just isn't there's there's never any goodness apart from God. It's just not even possible for someone, especially when you live away from God, like, for example, for me, in my position. I knew about Jesus. I knew about being a Christian and what how Christians should be, but I was living in sin. Why? Because I didn't know how to reconcile these same-sex attraction feelings that I was feeling, and I never had a good teacher. I never had a good pastor that would help me with this or that I felt understood me or you know, a a couple of different issues. But when I was in that lifestyle, um, I was doing all these things that I really, you know, my spirit didn't want to do, but my flesh wanted me to do. And it was hard for me to walk away from those things. Why? Because the only way to walk away or to be transformed is through the power of God. There's not going to be anything else. There's not going to be any type of discipline. There's not going to be any type of strength that you can conjure up. Everything has to be done through the power of God. He's the one who transforms us. It's his sacrifice. Like he does it all. So it's, of course, like your morality is going to go down if you're living in that homosexual lifestyle. Because it's going to be hard to be a good person, especially if you're not the source of goodness. And if you think you're their source of goodness, then, I mean, a round of applause. Like, I, like if someone's listening to this podcast and they, they are, you know, homosexual, um, I love you guys, by the way, you know, if, if you're tuning into this and you're still, uh, a, like, a practicing uh, same-sex attraction and you're, uh, you're gay and that's the way that you identify yourself as, I'm glad that you're tuning in. I'm glad that you're listening, but um, I don't believe that anybody can be the source of good, like, you're not God. You're not a creator. Um, it doesn't matter whether you're heterosexual or homosexual. Like, no one can be the source of good. Only only God can be the source of good. Only Jesus was the source of good. And even him, he humbled himself. Even though he was God, he said, when, when they asked him um, about being good, he said, the, why do you call me good? The only one who is good is my Father in heaven. God said that. Like, the only one who could claim it said, no, I'm going to glorify God instead. And he submitted himself. So yes, that's, that's what I think about the ethical morality and why this younger gay brother um, is struggling to keep his morality. And now it's all going downhill. So continuing into the email, him and I recently had a very long two hour conversation about his homosexuality. And he admitted that he feels that there is something chemically wrong or imbalanced in his brain. Okay. Okay. Let's just take a pause there. That's, um, okay. I mean, I, I don't think, like, I think there are a lot of different reasons why someone can have same sex attraction. I don't think it's a, I love to say that because it's true. And I, and I need people to understand that is that there is no just one way of being homosexual. Like, it's not a, like, it, there's so many different things that could take place, you know, genetically, psychologically, trauma-based, all of these different things. So his brother has says that he says that there's something chemically wrong or something wrong with his brain. Um, and that could, you know, that could be due, maybe not something chemically or, or I don't know, um, maybe, maybe he's referring to depression, maybe. Um, however, I think it's more definitely in this situation, but I don't have enough information um, something having to do with the fam- family dynamic. That's that's the one that is the most... I, I, I Every time I've encountered someone who has same-sex attraction it, and I've talked to them, it's either trauma-based, which means that they were raped when they were younger, um, they were exposed to something sexual when they were younger, or it is based off the family and uh, the rejection from the father or from some someone who is important to them growing up. As a toddler, um, as a child. So continuing on with the email, he says, "My wife and I try to be as loving as possible and explain that it is sin, and that affects his brain and corrupts his thoughts." All right, let's take a break there as well. So yes, I I do agree with that. That sin definitely corrupts our thoughts. What did we just finish talking about? Morality. Like you can't have goodness apart from God, right? So what happens when we have sin? Sin has consequences on us, like a lot of consequences. It, like I think it was it I think it's in the Bible. I'm not sure. I'm not going to pull up the verse, but it's like um unforgiveness actually messes with your physical health. Um it 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 messes with your spiritual health and then it also messes with your physical health. So, of course, sin has consequences on the body. We are supposed to be living and having intimacy with God. Um we're not supposed to be away from him. So, if you take yourself from the goodness of God, of course your body's going to have um consequences to that like it's gonna there's gonna be things that are gonna happen to you physically from being away from god and so yeah that's possible you know anyways going back to the email we try to minister to him many times and many ways but it has low effect coming from a happily married straight couple if anything my marriage with my wife has shown him great fruit to my has shown great fruit to my younger brother he sees what a happy marriage can be and what it is supposed to look like he was very open to hearing me explain how God created men and women very differently and how those differences actually help to complete each other's flaws, holes, or personality. So let's take a break there. So according to his brother, um, well, according to this man, his brother can basically see that his his brother has a good marriage. Why? Because they're Christians and they've put Christ at the center of their marriage. That's also something that I always talk about. There can be a heterosexual marriage that is wrong. Like, it's not just homosexual marriages that are wrong. Any marriage that Jesus Christ is not at the center, that God is not at the center, that the goodness of God is not overflowing in that relationship, can be a bad relationship. So... I think people neglect that, or I think even the church is like real quick to just be like, oh, if it's a woman and a man, yes, great, wonderful, uh, let's celebrate it. But no, that's not to be celebrated. And I know that some pastors, they don't do this. Um, Some pastors are good pastors, and they say, hey, before you get married, Christ has to be in the center. Like, this can't be lust. This can't be um, uh, conditional love. And they analyze that before they give a blessing. And some family members do too, you know, parents of the bride or the bridegroom. But um, he's saying, like, the younger gay brother uh, feels as though the older brother who's straight can't relate to the problems that he's going through, which is true. Like, I used to... (laughs) i never related to basically anyone in my family i felt like the black sheep um i felt like no one was understanding what i was going through why because they'd never been through what i was going through they didn't know what it was like to be bullied in school they didn't know what it was like to be rejected by their peers they didn't know what it was like to have all these feelings that they didn't want to have and so i i completely understand the younger gay brother like it's like I I see you guys have this perfect, beautiful, awesome marriage, and it's like, how how will you help me in my life? You're nothing like me, and so th- I think that something that has to happen and something that has to take place within the younger gay brother's life is that he has to humble himself to say, hey, you know, you know what? You're not different from me. You're a sinner as much as I am a sinner, and I I'm, I I think that the brother, the older brother, has taken this approach and has said, you know, it's sin. All of us are sinners. So I'm, I'm happy that he has taken this approach. Um, but I think the younger brother has to humble himself and say, you know what, everyone is a sinner. And yes, I've been th- through things that maybe are a little bit more difficult, um, a little bit more, <laughs> I would say a lot more difficult <laughs> compared to uh, straight people, especially with the way that they're treated in society you know and that is due to the church and the church treating like heterosexuals are less sinners than homosexuals are sinners um and that's just not right remember because everyone is equal and so and everyone is equal to god and in sin and and outside through jesus sacrifice outside of sin now clean through through jesus but um i can totally relate like i i never in my family i never thought anyone would be able to help me because it just I'm like, well, look at you with your perfect little kids and your perfect little marriage. And I know that they had problems. I know that they weren't perfect. But I'm like, you've never in a day in your life had to go through what I've been through. Like you never in a day in your life had have had to come crying from school, like ready to kill yourself because everyone uses you as target practice in class. Like you don't you never will go through what I'm going through. And I think that that's like rooted in pride. It's just like. And also kind of rooted in like victimization. Remember that some people, they've experienced so much bad in their lives that they view themselves, it's kind of like a a protection. Um, they now view themselves as a victim. So everything that they go through in life, it's like, I'm the victim. I've had this bad happen to me. You don't understand. Like, I'm a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. And so this could be some of the thought processes that are going through the younger gay brother and there are many ways to combat this, which we're going to go into after I finish reading this email. So let's continue to read. He 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 does say here, um, he sees uh, what a happy marriage can be and what it's supposed to look like. So that's good. You know, the brother is providing an example of love, of love between n- not just the love that he can give to his brother, but he is providing an example of Christ's love in his own marriage and see, hey, look, we don't have a successful marriage because we just are living willy-nilly, we have a successful marriage because m- my wife loves Jesus, and I love Jesus, and we've put him in the middle, and so we want to introduce you to what what you can have if, if you have a life, or like if you have a relationship with Jesus, like maybe not in the context of marriage, who knows if he'll ever get married, but you can love people, and there can be a goodness, and there can be good fruits in your life. So um, he even had a conversation with him, which was a good thing. Uh, They had a heart-to-heart, a a two-hour conversation. And he was very open uh, to hearing about God. And that's really good. That means, you know, that means his heart's not really hardened. He sees that he cares about, like, he sees that you care about him a lot. And he's willing to hear from you. And that's good. Because you know what? A lot of gay people, they've been so hurt by their family. Um, not showing them the love of Christ, that they're just like, you know what? You're a hypocrite. Why would I ever want to take advice from you? You've never in a day showed me love. you never in a day showed me acceptance. You've never in in a day ever been good to me, showed me the goodness of God. So of course, I'm going to relate your God to not being very good. And I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want anything to do with your lifestyle of whatever God that you serve. And I know there's so many situations like that. And that's why we're going to talk a little bit about how to bring that to this situation. But I'm glad, I'm glad that this brother is like having a conversation and his heart is open. And so I think you have an amazing opportunity to be able, like the the creator of this email, the writer, um, you have an amazing opportunity to be able to minister to him. Um, And a lot of people and a lot of families would like to have those opportunities and they don't have those opportunities, but those opportunities can get there if you love them. So continuing on in the email, he says... I was very touched by your testimony and it actually brought me to tears. Maybe um, sometime I can introduce you to my brother and you can share your story with him and even help to explain things to him. He might listen to you over me. Hopefully, (laughs) just taking a pause um, from the email, hopefully your brother doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully, (laughs) um, because I'm sure maybe he wouldn't like us analyzing his life. Um, but I do this, you know, purely for educational reasons, uh, to help people out there in the world who are going through the same thing that this this guy is going through. So, anyways, going back into the email, he says, he says, I already sent him your testimony video last night, and he watched and said there were some similar experiences. Pause. I mean, that's good, that's beautiful. I'm glad that he was able to relate to my testimony. And by the way, guys. I just want to say thank you so much to every single person that's watched my testimony. Never in a thousand years would I ever have thought that this testimony would have gotten so popular the way that it has. It just reached uh, 300,000 views. So thank you to everyone who has shared it, who has liked it, who has left a comment. It helps me so much to get my story out there. So thank you guys who are watching and who are supporting. Um, But anyways, continuing on in the email, he says... I need your help, Samuel. Maybe this is part of your walk and calling. Thank you for taking the time to read this, and God bless you, my brother. So, yes, of course, this is what I do. Like, that's why I'm reading this, this email on this podcast, because I get this question not just from this guy, but I've gotten this question, like, over 50 times, like, way, a lot of times, where um, I think if I just make a podcast on it, it would just be a lot easier. <laughs> not everyone's situation is the same, but hopefully this can give some general information of kind of how I respond to people who ask me what do I do in this type of situation so thank you so much for sending me that email you awesome gentleman. I won't call you by your name but thank you for that um all right so let's let's get into let's dive deep um real quick about what are some of the things that you can do for a family member who is dealing with same-sex attraction and they have allowed for you um to be a speaking like have a speaking role in their life So they haven't estranged themselves from you. But even if they have, I think these kind of apply too, sort of. All right, so the first one that I love to tell people about is fasting. Fasting, fasting, fasting. I talk about fasting so much on my YouTube channel. I love fasting. Fasting is not for God to move, however. And I think that's where people get kind of like, A little bit weird is that um, when we see fasting, it's not really for God to do something for on, on us. It's actually for us to hear God better. It's for us to understand because God is always working. He's always moving and he's always speaking. But we get so distracted with life. We get so distracted with just whatever is going on. Um, that we are not tuning into the voice of God. So fasting just removes all of those distractions. It takes away all the things that we want and even takes away the things that we need, like food and and liquids and water and stuff, depending on what type of fast that you do. But I believe that a fast, a fast is only with, it has to involve foods in some way. So um, fasting. Now, don't tell the person that you are fasting for that you're fasting for them. <laughs> like, do not do that. <laughs> like Jesus is very clear in his word. Um, if you're looking for rewards from people, that will be your reward um, while you fast. So if you are dealing with someone who has same-sex attraction, I think the first step in what to do in this situation is not to, hey, I'm gonna write Samuel an email even though that is always welcomed. I'm always here to help. But the first thing, and and I I do this myself, is that you want to fast so that you can hear what God is saying over this situation. Then secondly, it is, okay, I'm gonna write Samuel an email, or I'm gonna watch a, a video that educates me on this topic, and that's second, that's second. But first is I need to hear the voice of God for this person's life i need to see scripture i need it to jump out at me i need to have have it have a strong impact on my life right now because i'm in a difficult situation and i don't know how to treat this individual i don't know what i should do i don't know if i should support them if i should do this so i think fasting is an incredible and a mandatory option that you have to do when you find yourself in this situation and if you're like well i just don't want to fast well then you just don't care enough and you probably shouldn't be speaking into their life either. You know, if you're not willing to fast for someone, I would say I don't think that you love them all that much. And therefore, I don't think you should be helping them at all. Because um, if you're not loving someone, like, like Paul says, love is the greatest thing. Love is the greatest tool. Love is the greatest weapon um, for the kingdom of heaven. If you're not loving someone enough, if, if you can't love someone enough to fast for them, then I don't think you should be even anywhere near that person's life. Or speaking into them or advising them or anything like that so fast 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 that's the first thing that i would say the second thing that i would say is prayer prayer obviously fasting comes with prayer <laughs> you're not gonna be fasting and not praying hopefully um but prayer even after you finish your fast can uh, like interceding interceding on behalf of that person So um, what does intercession mean? I know a lot of people, maybe you're tuning in, they're like, what's intercession? Like interceding is just you pray on behalf of the other person who maybe is not praying. So I've had many times, especially in my life, I remember this time when I had a friend who I used to play video games um, with and I interceded for him. All I did was I sat in my car and I prayed for him and I said, God, I want him to experience your love the way that I've experienced you. I want him to have open eyes to you, open ears to you. You know, um, I read some Bible verses that applied to that situation out um, to God. I tried to, you know, just tell God all the things that I'm feeling for this individual and just and, and like cry, talk to God, communicate to God what I felt like this person and needs for their life. And um, for God's will to ultimately be established over that person's life. And we have, you know, we have Bible verses that tell us to do this. I think the third one is the most important one, because it is something that I talk about a lot, which is love. And I love 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it talks about love, where it talks about the definition of love. But agape love, I believe that the, the definition of love has already been defined by our creator, which is what? To give your life, to give your own life for those who love you and for those who hate you. To put other people before you. Unconditional love, not conditional love. That is, I believe, the the definition of love because that's what Jesus modeled for us. He gave his own life so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sins and that we could spend all of eternity... I'm not having to deal with the consequences of humanity's mistake so okay how does that apply in the same sex attraction situation right love love that person if you're not filled up with god's love number one uh you won't be able to love someone so first off work on your own love like if you're not if you if you don't have love to give uh if you don't have love that you've received you cannot give out love so first receive the love from 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 god first for you please Please, before you do any damage on other people's life, um, and then just love and accept this person. Like you know what? Um, people always ask me all these weird questions. Like, would you go to a gay marriage, or would you, um, whatever? Like, like, would you hang out with gay people, or would, would you have friendships with them, or all these different things? And I would say, you know what? Um, I think, I, I think clearly, I live by the standard that Jesus portrayed. And what did he do? Yes, he hung out with the tax collectors. He hung out with the prostitutes. He never openly condemned the sinners. He says, it's not my job to condemn. Like, I didn't come down here to condemn. Even though he could have, he said he wouldn't. So who did he condemn? He condemned the religious, the people who had all these rules, the people who um, were not loving, the people who we're just filled, filled, filled with religiosity, if that's a word, I'm not sure if it is, I think it is, so, um, I think what's the most important, especially in someone's life, okay, look, look, the reason why people are even going through same-sex attraction, this is a bold statement, but I believe, I think, I believe, (laughs) that the reason why people are going through same-sex attraction, especially in my experience, is that they've had a lack of love, they've had a lack of identity, They've had a lack, um, they've had an abundance of rejection. So if you think you're going to walk into a a situation and you say to that person, hey, I want to help you, but you know what? Your sin is just too great. I don't want to be around you. Um, I don't want to accept that for your life. Um, Then how the heck, like you've just rejected them. You just, you've just done the one thing that has led them to this conclusion You've done the one thing that has made them who they are today. You've rejected them, bam, right there. You said, I am better than you. I am better than you, and therefore, like, um, like my sin was less than yours. And, and, and you create this weird, like, theology for them of who God is which is not who God is if Jesus was scared of sin trust me he would not have been anywhere near the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all that stuff he was known as the friend of sinners right now I'm not saying that you have to go into their life and that you have to agree with what they're doing but you also just don't have to speak like you just don't have to say anything and I think people at the end of the day honestly people don't even need you to say anything you just have to be there for them, like how are you going to be the salt? How are you going to be the light of the earth and then just like separate yourself from people like people need you, they need the love of Christ um, they need the abundance of acceptance of love of knowing that they are have an identity in Christ, and you know I like to I like to look at it this way if that person has a mental breakdown one of these days and you 've decided, oh you know what um My Bible says that homosexuality is wrong and therefore I'm not going to be your friend. And therefore, um, if you don't want to change, like conditional love, this is conditional love, not unconditional love. If you don't want to change, therefore, I just can't be around you. You're bad for me. You're just really, really bad for me. And sometimes, you know, that is the case where I'm not saying go around people who are, you know, it's a weakness for you. I'm not saying that because I've had times in my life where I've had people that I, I needed to say, you know, you know, you're just not healthy for me. And that was the truth. Why? Because I was struggling with the same thing they were struggling with. But if you're not struggling with that thing and you're just uncomfortable, like, oh, I'm uncomfortable because you like men and I've never, I don't know how to deal with this situation. Like, if you're just uncomfortable, grow up, grow up. You know what was uncomfortable? Jesus, Jesus carrying his cross. That was very uncomfortable. Jesus getting spit in his face. That was extremely uncomfortable. Jesus getting whipped. Jesus getting beat. That was uncomfortable. So, go and be there for your friend who has same-sex attraction or your brother. Put yourself in a position where uh, let yourself be educated on what they're going through. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to agree, but you know what? People don't need you to agree. People don't need you. I think that is the, I think that is the like, lie of just like, oh, if I have a same-sex attracted friend or if I, if I have a gay friend, uh, I'm affirming their lifestyle. Um, I have to agree with what they're doing. No, you don't. No, you do not. I have many, many gay friends. I have many gay friends, many lesbian friends, and guess what? They see what I do on the internet. They know I don't agree with what they're doing, but when I come around them, do I make them feel bad? Do I make them feel less than? No, I I, I offer to them any bit of advice, any bit of love that I could possibly give to them, Without touching those things which I know they are sensitive to, which I know they face rejection in. And I shut my mouth, and this is why walking with the Holy Spirit is so important, because if you're not walking with the Holy Spirit, you won't know when to shut your mouth and when to be quiet. And remember, love is patient. I need you guys to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. You know, all these things that love is. And then, and then we have a whole Christian community of people who are out there going, no, but I have to say what I gotta say. They gotta know that they're in the wrong or, or you know they're gonna go to hell and they're gonna blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is all of these different things that are described in 1 Corinthians. Go look at it. Yes, the truth is there. But you know what? Love is the greatest weapon. And love softens the hard ground. And if you don't believe that, then, then I, I just, we, we disagree. But I believe, and this is how I've managed to maintain good friendships with gay people, with lesbians, and I've managed for them to see Christ work in my life. They haven't X'd me out. You know why? Because I've never judged them. I've never condemned them. I've, I've remained steadfast in what I believe in, but I've also walked with the Holy Spirit for him to teach me when to speak and when not to speak and how to love these people and how to accept them and how to tell them, okay, if you, if you think that that's the best decision, then I agree with you because you're going to make that decision. Do, uh, do, does it matter what I think? No, it doesn't matter what I think. You know what matters is when I go home and I pray about it and I say, Lord, I think that's a horrible decision. And I know that if I say that it's a horrible decision, he's not going to want to hear it. This, the ground's not soft yet, which means I can't put I can't put the seed in yet. So I need you to make that ground soft, so I he he can ask me or she can ask me, hey, what do you think about this situation without becoming offended? So we need to be very aware of what offends people, you know. And and yes, the gospel is offensive. It is offensive. You know what? But um, I think how how we can deliver the gospel because we need to deliver the gospel. And we need we need people to receive it. We don't just need to deliver it. We need we need people to receive it. We need to be effective with how we are delivering the gospel. And we deliver the gospel with love. And love is not a one-time thing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. <laughs> you know all these things. Chapter thirteen on First Corinthians. Once again, read it. Um, that's how we're gonna plant the gospel. And that's how I've managed to maintain my um, same-sex. Uh, uh, same-sex attraction relationships that I have, my gay and my lesbian friends, um, and many have seen the light of Christ through me, and many are coming to Christ through me because of just the way that I treat them. So um, now I have some Bible verses that are just going to affirm all that I have just said right now. Let's look at Matthew five thirteen through 16. So Matthew five thirteen through 16 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. I love this. We are the salt. We are supposed to go out into the world. We are supposed to go out into the world and we need to be salty. Like we need to make things good again. We need to show people love. We need to draw out the blood of Jesus because that's what salt does it draws out blood, it draws out liquid. And we need to show people that blood, we need to show people that kindness. We need to show people that patience, that they haven't experienced yet before. So, you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine so, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Did it say, become a light? And then actually only light for those people who think and act like you? No, it said, let your light so shine before all men. I'm including the all, but it's not in scripture, but you know, it's suggested. So that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So I'm a huge believer that light is indeed love. So if we are this light, if we have this love inside of us, we have the love of Jesus Christ, Um, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, we gotta go to those people and we gotta show them what makes us different than those other people that are trying to take from them that make them feel awful that make them feel bad just like this younger gay brother who had this relationship we we gotta go and be that light and shine before them the love that we have we cannot separate ourselves from them we just can't they need us guys they need our love they need for us to show what makes us real jesus followers what makes us different than the rest of the world so that's Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Now let's go into First Timothy, and this is the last verse, and we'll finish up. First Timothy 2, 1 through 6. It says, this is for prayer. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Peaceful. And quiet life. People out there, peaceful and quiet life. I say it three times. Godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires all people to be saved. Did you know that? And then verse 5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, and that, that man is Christ Jesus. So, really interesting stuff. Here it says everything that I basically just told you that you gotta pray, that you gotta love, that you gotta be the light, you know, and um, the Bible affirms this. So, we're not gonna do a huge in depth Bible study, but. I loved having you guys on the podcast, and I'm so thankful for this individual who sent me this email, and I'm, I'm glad that, you know, it's probably not just going to relate to him, but it's going to relate to many people's different situations, so I hope that you guys have walked away with something. I hope that this has helped you. Remember, fast, pray, and love. Love with an unconditional love. Love them. They need your love to be able to fix the wounds that they've experienced in their life from probably evil. So, I hope that this has really indeed helped you guys. And I love you so much. Thank you for getting all the way to the end and for listening to this. I think that's so awesome. And I pray that you may have a blessed day. And I hope that um, you really put into practice all of these things. If you are dealing in a situation like this, on how to approach someone with same-sex attraction a younger brother, a family member, a friend, or whatever. Also, just gonna throw in some things that I'm currently doing. On Instagram and Facebook, I am doing a live Bible study on Monday nights starting at 9 p.m. Eastern. I am also I also have a Zoom Bible study, which is the same study, but it is kind of like um, everyone on Zoom. It's, it's interactive, so if you wanna be a part of that, just shoot me an email or shoot me a DM or a Facebook message. And I also have new videos that are coming out every single, basically every Saturday, every single week. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the content that I'm creating and I love you guys. Have a good one, peace.